everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I am Charlie Lofton. I am the lead pastor there. And by popular demand, this week we have Abigail Boone. What up? No gang signs. Sorry, guys. This is a Christian podcast. Sorry, 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 sorry. Abigail Boone, she is our creative director. Yes. And also the producer of our podcast. Yes. An all-around general awesome person. Oh. Thank you. Okay, I was going to see if we, how long you were going to keep the yeses going. I'll take going. it. Okay. Let's go. Amen. And Woo. amazing question asker. Thank you. You ask a lot of good questions. Thank you. Don't ever feel like you should stop asking good questions. You encourage me to not. Well, so. there you go. I yeah. like, I like the yeah. way that that feels too. And so if you've been with us the last three weeks, Mark and I were talking about truth and the Bible, those kind of things. Where, How do we find truth? Finding truth in the Bible and that really ultimately, how do we understand the Bible? We use a fancy word called hermeneutics, which is how we interpret the Bible. If we're going to trust the Bible, how do we even know where it came from? How did we get this Bible? We spent a lot of time talking about that. And as a follow-up and a bridge to some other things, we're going to talk about the Bible in, our ne- in kind of the next part of this series we're doing. We're going to spend some time just kind of talking about practical reasons why we don't want to read the Bible motivation to read the Bible, and how to read and study the Bible better. So it's going to get a little more practical, but in the bridge between kind of the academic eggheadedness that we were doing last time sure. and this practical thing. You got to dig a little deeper. Abigail had some questions. I do, always. On, representing the world, sure. Abigail I'll has... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I will hand it to you. Yeah. Thank you for the mic. Uh, yeah, my small group was pretty interested in the podcast. There's like most of the discussion was around things that they heard in your podcast and they had more questions. So perfect. I think this will be pretty useful. So it kind of spans over all the last three podcasts that we did. So it's not just specific to one of them. So okay, I'm you're ready. ready. I'm ready. I'm, okay. I'm ready. The goal is to throw you off your feet where you like have a pause. Okay. And you're like, shoot. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know how to. So here's the deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I did look at them. Sure. But not really until this morning. Okay, great. So I am, and I've been in meetings all day. So he's frazzled. He's ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be. I'm ready for the awkward pause. Okay, perfect. All right. So first one that I had for you. Um, basically, you started the whole podcast with people kind of questioning where truth comes from, and then right. if some people maybe have grown up around the knowledge of truth comes from the Bible, and they start to question that. Right. They might think they're unique or maybe that's something that's going on with our world right now. But would you say this is a new question that the church is facing and maybe even more than the church? Maybe more people are facing that question. Is that new to our age or generation of the church or have you seen this before? Well, a lot of people like to point to um, Jesus and Pontius Pilate kind of doing doing battle, verbal verbal battle with each other. You just went back like so many more years right. than I expected you to. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, and as, you know, Jesus is trying to persuade Pontius Pilate to believe in him, and, you know, Pilate's asking all these questions about who he is, and, and, and it just kind of ends, kind of the banter ends with Pilate looking at Jesus going, what is truth? This is... From the Bible story this is that we in, know about. This is in the this okay. is in the Bible. Okay, and 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 that is kind of Pontius Pilate's last. That's it. Kind of ends at that point. Okay. And you could, you know, if you wanted to give it a charitable reading, he could he could be like, "What is truth?" Sure. But the fact that the conversation ends makes it makes it makes gives the impression that it was more of a conversation stopper. Like Jesus is trying to turn it to the nature of what 
talking about truth. Yeah. And Pontius Pilate goes, what is truth? What, what is truth? You know, just kind of a, how, how who are you to sit here and kind of talk about this big, lofty right. thing? And where does that even come from? And like you have authority to say what it is. Right. And, and even you go through the book of Acts and you see kind of Paul moving from, um, and the apostles moving from Jerusalem and Israel, where they kind of all had a very similar worldview and a similar framework. Right. We're kind of talking about, hey, in this framework that you have, you need to insert Jesus into this and see that he is the fulfillment of this. The further and further he gets away from that, the more philosophical in nature his the Q and A and kind of his approaches. Like, Matt, we can't. I can't even talk to you about. Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, if you are not aware of the fact that there is a creator God who has kind of set the rules of the universe and put everything in motion and you have an obligation to him. Like, how do I even, how do I even, how do I even get there? You got to build that logical. Right. And so he he is, it, it just gets more and more so. And so it is especially culture to culture, cross culturally. You know, having you gotta ha- you gotta be operating under the same framework, and so again, for at least two thousand years, these kinds of questions have right. been asked, and so I think it's honestly every every generation asks and re-asks the question in different ways. The modern movement um, was really kind of a there is objective truth out there; we can find it through science, a very pro-science, pro-data sort of approach which had a bit of an anti-religious component to it. And right. then you move into what was called the postmodern movement, mm-hmm. which just is like questions all of that, sure. which is... What is that, like the 60s? Yeah, well, yeah, all the way up through, I would say, at least my college college years, so like even, even beyond, it just kind of... Lo- <laughs> please. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, it took me a second. That was my awkward pause. It took me a second to realize that you're throwing shade at me. It's like, no, Abigail, I'm talking about... Po- oh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Up to when you were in college. Yeah, th- this idea of kind of questioning this kind of enlightenment approach to it. It's like, is there even such a thing as objective truth? Right. Or is every... every I, there, there is, uh, everything is relative. And so this generation, again, I, I think is kind of splits the difference between those two things mm-hmm. has a very pro science pro data approach but also I think I, I think I would describe it more in a every person's approach is so riddled with their own cultural and personal biases right it is hard to get at what absolute truth is we live in a highly skeptical world where right a science, a scientific report comes out. The government says something. The media says something. Are you like what of those entities has a high level of trust? Right. Oh, the government's the, Abigail. The government should. said. Right. The media said. Right. I read this on the internet. Right. Scientists say. There's mass distrust. Mass distrust everywhere. So I don't think that it is the fact that we don't think truth is out there. It's just I don't trust any body or any source as being trustworthy and authoritative. That's fair. That's kind of... I think I feel like I answered your question and four other ones. Yeah, and I have a couple that popped in my mind. Okay, perfect. Go One for it. Them, okay, well, I'll go ahead and toss it out. Sometimes when I think about truth being something that comes from a soul entity, it takes me back to Martin Luther. Where okay, for sure. everything that people knew about the Bible, I know this is probably a stretch, but came from one 
person. Yeah, for the, sure. The priest. And then Martin Luther kind of like set it loose. Did that kind of change the access to truth and people thinking that they could access truth or make their own or like they could interpret the Bible by themselves for the first time? I'm going to back it up a little bit. Okay. But it's all within that same era to the invention of the printing press. Ooh, yes. So with the invention of the printing press, the Bible began to be distributed and literacy rates began to increase. Yeah. If suddenly now a book can be mass produced right. easier and literacy rates increase. Value now, down. Literacy literacy rates increase. Oh. Yeah. Value goes down. No, when literacy rates go up, people people are able are literate and can sure. read okay. can read more now. Okay, and so now that people are more literate, we'll say it that way. Uh, we, now that they are people are more literate, and they have more access to the Bible. Now you are like, wait a second, is everything that I've been hearing is it true, true. or not? Right. You have you have the ability to do the thing that everyone thinks they're doing now, even right. on a grander scale. I have the ability to fact check this information. Right. Yeah. And so then, burst out of that is what we would call the Protestant Reformation, yeah. which is like now they, they, they are not the keepers of knowledge. Not, you know, not only, not, not everything has to be in Latin. Now I have personally access to the Bible in my own language. Some of these things they've been teaching us are in fact not found in God's word. Right. And we want to get back to, we only believe things that are in God's word, which is great. But then what happens is, is the process then multiplied very quickly. That, right. that door got cracked open and then and then it is just burst right. forth where if you know we had the centralized idea of authority being in the church it switched to the bible mm -hmm. which then very quickly and easily morphed into what i Myself. believe and think the bible says right so it's the bible but it's really me in the bible right. not it quit being all of us in the Bible. Right. Now it's me in the Bible and, and me who are people who are like me in the Bible. Right. So that's where things get tricky. Is is the Bible the the authority or is it me and people who think like me? Right. And the Bible. Right. Yeah. The printing press. I didn't mm. even link that. So that was before. Yeah. Interesting. History man. All right. Well, that Keeper was my of main odd one knowledge. That. That's my, that's my I like title. that. I like it. Um, all right. Well, for another one, um, why do you think people do question truth? Like, do you think it's for like, and not even really truth. We talked a little bit about them kind of questioning authority. Do you think that's pride? Do you think it's fear? Is it a real resolute decision that you deserve personal freedom and you don't want authority from anyone? Like what's, what's wrong with us? I, I would, I would almost phrase those two questions that, that idea is two different questions so i'll answer the first one and then i'll answer the second one i guess if we just said hey why do people question truth i think on a positive way i think i would say because it is in fact the deepest most important question that right. one can ask yeah what what is real yeah and what what is this who are we where are we going what is real what is false where is meaning found? It basically redirects everything once you figure right. that like out. Right. Ev like ev ev everything, depends, everything depends on this. And if the answer to that, there is nothing. There is no overarching truth. There is no overarching governing principles. Everything is nothingness and random. Well, that's going to lead you to a certain direction. Or if there is, if there are <laughs> unifying principles of truth, that's going to lead you a particular direction. 
And so that is a, a really great question. I hope everyone right. is asking that question. I would rather you ask the question and vehemently disagree with me than not ask the question at all. Really? Because I believe that an honest person asking that honest question, even if you start out in disagreeing that God is the ultimate source of truth, if you genuinely with a heart start asking that question and pursue it with your whole heart, I believe the God of the universe meets people in that question. Yeah. If you're going to sincerely ask that question, I think God's going to be like, I'm looking, I'm looking for people like that. Yeah. The second question, which you kind of merged into one question, and maybe by the time I've answered both these questions, you're going to be like, no, bro, I was asking a, a third one. a oh. third question. <laughs> okay. Why do people question authority? I, I think it is because all authorities are constantly letting us down. Yeah. Why don't people trust the church anymore, Abigail? Why don't people trust pastors anymore? Well, Google pastor resigns and right. come up with a whole bunch of great answers. Right. Um, why don't people trust politicians anymore? Why don't people trust the media anymore? I mean, the more access to information that we have, the more we realize that the people that were charged with telling us the truth have been curating it for us, right? hiding certain things, elevating certain things and misleading us on other things. And so it really does leave us in a difficult situation where you then become around, well, how, how do I get someone to trust in any authority if all authority has let us down? Right. And especially if the thing, again, like the progression of what we said, you know, is all truth comes from God, and God has revealed himself primarily through Jesus, and we learn mostly about Jesus through his word. Then I look at you and I say, trust the Bible. Right. And you're like, well, but there are hundreds of thousands of different denominations saying all sorts of things. Yeah. And there are a lot of people and a lot of historical movements that have done a lot of harm to people. Right. With Why what would they would that? say is a biblical justification. Right. So there has to be the, you know, in, in a world where we are aware of that and have been let down so much by authority, it's, it's hard to trust because I say, trust the Bible and there are a lot of untrustworthy people who have also said that. That you've already come into contact with. Right. And if you haven't come into contact with them personally, you are fully aware right. of the impact. The way that, you know, the Nazis used scripture, the way that slave owners used scripture. Right. The, I mean, there's really hurtful people have used scriptures to do really hurtful thing. And so then you say, hey, guys, we should just trust the Bible. Right. Hard not to trigger somebody. Right. And I've discovered that over the last couple of weeks and having some conversations with people around this podcast. Not that people are skeptical of the Bible, but there is something that triggers people. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have said the Bible is the final authority over these matters in a way that also has a very authoritarian sure. approach but also an overly simplistic approach. Right. Those are the kind of people who take one verse out of context and make a poster out of it and nice stitched pillow on your grandma's couch. Yeah, and but and we and and what you're using this supposed truth to teach is something that that verse doesn't even say. Right. So it feels either authoritarian or simplistic or both. Right. Which almost makes me wish that most people would approach it by just reading the Bible 
and taking that rather than going to a second text or taking from someone else's mouth but they would actually spend time with just the bible because even with the authorities that let you down that's hopeless yeah i mean you can you 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 again it's kind of like hey if you if you i start asking these bigger questions about truth i think god's going to meet you there if in a world full of chaos and untrustworthy people you just started reading the Bible for yourself. Yeah. I think God would meet you there. Sure. And obviously there are some dangers in there. I mean, it's like your ability to understand, your ability to overcome your own biases. But I think it can grow from I'm reading the Bible by myself to I'm studying it with a group of friends. And right. then ultimately it kind of turns into a a network of tr- a network of trust. You know? Right. So I, I, I think everybody should start by reading the Bible themselves, but the best thing that we can do is to do this with other people because then it just kind of helps us. We can see each other's blind spots, but I will agree with you that immediately going to the little cheat notes at the bottom of your Bible (laughs) can really just kind of lead us to what I think is unintentionally, I don't want to say the word lazy, but just maybe, maybe just kind of low hanging fruit. Yeah. I was like, I'm not really willing to do the, the, the mental and spiritual work to figure out the depth of what this means. I'm just going to read what this dude thinks it means. Right. Yeah. Um, well that kind of leads to kind of talking about truth being what we would say is finally found in the Bible. One of my favorite things that you said, not that it really sums up to anything that would resolve anything (laughs) for anyone, but you said it in a sermon and you said it on this podcast that, we believe that everything in the Bible is true, but not everything that is true is in the Bible. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. But one thing that I was thinking through is, like like that says, the Bible doesn't talk about everything. Right. But if God is the final authority on truth and claims that, like you said, in the Bible, why would they not address more? And I almost think about the end of John right. where I think he says like that we could fill so many books Right. With all the sure. things. Yeah. So, well, why didn't you? If that's all we're <laughs> Thanks, come bro. Going, yeah, come on. There might be stuff about. Papyrus is limited. <laughs> yeah. Abigail. Come on. There's a amount of papyrus If it's out there truth. Yeah. So why do you think they didn't, like, what does that say about God? Because I think a lot of this, more than just trusting truth or not, it does kind of give us a way to view God and who he is right. as our authority and creator. So. Well, first of all, the all true everything in the Bible is true, not everything that's true is in the Bible. Mostly when I say it, I mean it in a less hot take kind of way. But I like it. I know you do. <laughs> Which is my name is my birth name is Charles Emmett Lofton and I have three daughters. I mean that's yes, that's yeah. that's true. Your lawyer name. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, my lawyer name is C. Emmett Lofton. Oh, that's right. C yeah. period Emmett Lofton. Have you ever read a book? C. Emmett. <sighs> okay. Well, I feel like we should go Charlie there, right? If I write a book. But you want to be famous? No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's like my my book will be more folksy, the book okay. I write. Okay, sure. Um, but again, there are things that are true about the way the world works and about, you know, things that we should think that, that yeah, like you said, that aren't necessarily in the Bible. Because one of my biggest annoyances is when people try and talk about the book as if it is a science textbook. Well, it's not a science textbook and it is also not a rule book. One of my least favorite um, billboards slash church signs in the world is you failing at life? Are you struggling at life? Try reading the instructions. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. And then it's a picture of the Bible. 
If the Bible is an instruction book, it is very, very poorly written. And quite confusing. The table of contents is not helpful. Sure. There's no index. Sure. It is not arranged topically. No. By, by no real definition is the Bible a rule book. And so it was really not designed to do that. It was not designed to be a handbook by which you then determine what is right, what is wrong, exactly what am I am supposed to do. And this frustrates certain people and can be freeing to other people that actually the Bible is really more, if it, if, if, if it's not a rule book, what is it? If I was going to, if I were going to have to attach a similar phrase to it, it is a book of principles, okay. not rules. It does not tell, the Bible does not tell me what I do when my toddler pitches a fit because wanted cookies for breakfast. Sure. What do I do? You know, there may be a parenting handbook out there. What do you do? Right. You go to the right page. You got to go to the right section on toddlers, fits, and, and, and it's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, you get a book on gentle parenting or yeah. whatever. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you that instruction. It does not tell me what to do. But if I read it and study it and, and learn from it, um, I will learn and grow in who I am supposed to be. It's almost like values. And now, now I know who I am supposed to be, and I know the kind of parent that I'm supposed to be, the kind of person that I'm supposed to be. And based on these principles and the internal work that the Holy Spirit is doing in my heart, I am now responding better to this. And in addition to that, I'm also learning principles like, hey, you want, you want to grow in wisdom? Trust God and have really wise advisors around you. Right. So I had somebody come up to me today in that exact same situation. This is what my toddler's doing. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so then we're just, I've, I've lived that life. Here's yeah. some things that I've tried. Here's some things that I've seen people do. This problem may point to this problem, may point to this problem. Here's some good conversations to have with your spouse. You know, and where did all of that come from? It ultimately came from the work that God is doing in all of our hearts to grow us, to make us better people by learning the truths and principles that God has in the Bible. Yeah. And so I think too often we want it to be a rule book when it's not, or we say it's a rule book when it's not, and then we're asking the Bible to do something that it's not designed to do when really it it is a change agent that God is using to refine us from the inside out as opposed to tell us whether or not you should or shouldn't take this job. Right. Whether or not it is okay to splurge on, you know, name brand groceries when I could get, <laughs> when I, or why, but you know, if the I, Bible if, specifically if, says great value. Or only. yeah. Or if I buy great value, <laughs> then I'm saving money and I'm being frugal and I'm being wise and I should give that money to the poor. Right. I mean, it, the Bible doesn't, but it does talk a lot about being wise with your money and being generous and being kind to the poor. It does talk about those things, but it does not say that doesn't mean that you can never splurge right. and have a nice dinner out. Yeah. But we, we want, we, we, there are some people that want it to be that. Yeah. And it's just not. And if you want it to be that, and if you're told that it's that, it's going to be frustrating to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as a single person never talks about that. Right. 
that's one of my favorite things. Like this will happen. You not you and I have both been involved in a college ministry, and I get invited to to speak at different college ministry groups. And one of the hot topics very often that I'll be asked to talk about is relationships. Yeah. And then specifically dating. Yeah. What I say, if you're looking to the Bible for dating advice, you're going to, you're going to be really disappointed (laughs) because there is in fact no dating advice in the Bible because it did not exist culturally. Right. What kind of person should you be when you're dating? Bible's full of that. Right. What kind of person would you want to partner with for the rest of your life? Right. The Bible is full of that. But it's uh, that takes a lot of work. Right. So but I don't want to do that. You just so, want the index. So yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy some dating book. Right. That yeah. may or may not have good advice in it. Right. Yeah. Um all right. Well, as you said, I question a ton of things. Mm-hmm. One of my specialties. Perfect. Um but you've gone through a ton of questioning with me. And I still question, even though I fully believe in God, fully believe in the Bible. So, and this whole entire series has been about questioning, good questioning, bad questioning. How does someone, maybe they still do believe in the Bible. They still believe that God is good, ultimately. How do they wrestle with these questions in a healthy way that doesn't lead them down the path of undermining God's truth and maybe kind of getting into a dangerous zone of maybe unhealthy questioning i guess right i i i want to say that there really isn't any any topic or issue that is bad to question yeah but we can frame questions in bad ways that are unhealthy ways of framing the question yeah how can I resolve this conflict with my wife? We seem to be fighting all the time and I don't want that. How can we get better? How can we not fight like this? Is a much better question than I wonder, should I have even married her? Right. Yeah. And it could be about the same situation. It's the same situation. And I'm asking a good question. I'm asking a question about it. But one of those is an unhealthy question. One of them is a healthy question. And there are some framings of questions that become dangerous earworms. Yeah. That once once you get it into your head, I wonder if I should divorce her or not, but it, it can take over your brain. Yeah. Another one that I've been talking about with people is some people, they, they feel like they read Jesus and they get one idea and then they read Paul and it feels like Paul seems very different than Jesus. Yeah. And so people will say things. I wonder why, why does Paul get to be an authority? Why does he get to say what he does? Well, you know, maybe, and, and and it leads to kind of this, we're going to take this portion of the scripture and just kind of set it aside. Right. When I would say that a better question is, you notice something that is real. Jesus's voice seems different than Paul's voice. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Well, they were different. They had different personalities, for mm-hmm. one. Jesus is talking to almost exclusively a Jewish audience. Right. Paul is almost exclusively dealing with a Gentile audience. Right. Jesus is preparing us for the most significant event in the history of mankind, which is the death and resurrection of of him. Right. And Paul is dealing with how now shall we live now that this event has happened. Yeah. So even though it's only a few years apart, it is two very different significant eras. Well, and you could probably also take occupation. Yeah, and so they're very different people talking to very different groups in very different time periods, even if they are close together. And the example I use of that is, 
if, you know, 19, the year 1999 before Y2K and September 13th, 2001 right. is only a couple of years apart, but are very, very different eras. Right. And pre-Jesus's death and resurrection and post-Jesus's death and resurrection are very different. Different people, different eras, different audiences, their voices are going to be different. And so that's why. And so if, if, you, can, if you can resolve it more in that way, then you're going to realize, actually, if you look at it deeper, Jesus is a little bit meaner than I think he was. Sure. And Paul's actually got a lot more to say about the freedom that we have to live to, to live freely as opposed to bound by rules. He's actually speaks a lot more to freedom than Jesus ever did. Yeah. And so Paul's not as bad as you right. think he is. And Jesus is not as squishy as you think he is. <laughs> and so if, if we can resolve that kind of issue in a healthy way, then it allows us to go back and say, Hey, I, I've got a lot to learn from, from both of these people. Yeah. Did that, I, no, I think okay. it for okay. sure does. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I guess the overarching thing is make sure that no matter what question you're asking, that you're framing it in a way that at least has the possibility of leading your brain to health, right. like healthy, healthy framing of the question will get you to a healthy answer. Right. An unhealthy framing of the question will just will just lead you into a pit. Yeah. Almost kind of like what's your preconceived notions as you're going in yeah or like Pontius Pilate's question you can say that you can ask the question what is truth and mean a whole lot of different right. things by it yeah and what I mean what is truth right what is truth yeah the same sorts of framings happen all the time with us asking good questions and so there's never such a thing as again a topic that can't be questioned but there is unhealthy framing right the process of it yeah yeah well, there's no smooth way to transition into this real quick, but okay. as the producer of this podcast, I have to make sure everything's still recording. Okay. All right. So I just have one last question. No, that's not, that's absolutely not true. That's not true. You have one more question for right now for this podcast. You might want me back at some point. I, I'm loving this format, by okay, the way. Cool. 10 love out it. of 10, five stars. Love it. I don't know what they'll think, but I love it. Well, we won't look at their reviews. <laughs> this matters for us. Um, all right. So I posed this question to you a while back because I kind of work in a logical format of like, right. so we got to go here to here to here to here to here. So this whole entire series is kind of based off of like, well, obviously the truth comes from the Bible because that's how God reveals himself. Okay. But some people may be like, well, why God? There's right. so many things that could, I mean, obviously there's other religions, right? but why should I even care what God says for truth? Yeah. So the, 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 the let's just even go you know, even one level deeper than that, which is, you know, how do I make sense of the universe and the world that I live in? Sure. Right. Why people ask the question, where did we come from? What is the nature of the universe? What is the origin of the universe? Those sort of big picture questions, because whatever determined our origin mm -hmm. really kind of determines kind of what this is. You know, there's a movement out there. I don't know if you, how, deep you are in the internet you know like people wondering are we living in some sort of computer simulation that we'll i kind living? of love that thought process it's, it's wild that's a different podcast <laughs> but if 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 that's true then there really is both a a meaninglessness to life sure and 
for people who hate predestination. Okay. Bro, computer um, computer simulation is the worst of all sure. possible solutions because there is no There's such no thing as real free will if right. we are in a computer simulation. You're in an algorithm. But if you go back and everything that is in the universe exploded out of nothing for no reason, right, that leads to a different sort of morality and framework. If there is a unique individual one capital G God that created all of the universe, then a couple of things. One, as the architect of the universe, he would be most likely to know the rules of how it works. Right. I mean, I guess a God could accidentally create a universe and not know how it works. He like tripped and... Right, right, sneezed. He sneezed the universe into existence. (laughs) But assuming that the answer to the bigger, biggest picture questions of life is an intelligent, next level entity created the universe on purpose. Yeah. Then he has the answers to the way the universe works. And whether he tell, how much he's willing to tell us or can tell us, Regardless, anything that he tells us will be true. Yeah. And so 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 that 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 really is kind of this the the big picture idea of of like he he knows the rules and also if he created it, it belongs to him. Sure. And by extension, we belong to him. Yeah. We're products of that creation. Right. And so I have some obligation to him, and so I need to ask him. What obligation do I have to you? I figured right. out you, you're the, you're the owner here. You know, you know, you you go to an Airbnb, you get a hotel, you rent a house. This house doesn't belong to me. And while I am here in this thing that you own, there are certain rules that I am obligated to live by. Yeah. And I'm here in this place not only as a part of cre- a, a creation, but a part of his creation. And I'm obligated to you in some way. Tell me what 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 do I owe you? Right. And so. Various religions, philosophies, be they atheistic, agnostic, or polytheistic, or monotheistic, they're all answering that question in a certain way. Once you determine what you believe to be the ultimate source of everything, then it has both the expertise and the authority to tell you the way life works. Yeah. And so, thankfully, the conclusions that we have come to are a God that is both all-powerful and all-loving— Right. So as such, and wants to know us. And so he can communicate, wants to communicate, and we can trust that his communication is good. For us. Right? And so, you know, you read some Greek Greek mythology, and like those gods may be knowledgeable, but they weren't they weren't good. Right. Or you could imagine a god that is good but incapable of communicating. Right. But we believe in a God that is not only capable but willing and loving. And so if I believe that, then I'm expecting God to be revealing himself. Right. I'm, I'm expecting him to some, into some way communicate with us and to not leave us here alone. He's left us enough evidence out there in the world that he exists. And there is this thing that all of us have, this soul draw in us to explore him. So he, even in really intangible ways, he is calling out to us to connect with him. Right. I would expect that God to reveal himself through dreams or prophets or some manifestation of himself or some special revelation of written or spoken words. Right. And so we should then be on a diligent search to find those things. 
And just the part of the just because of the fact that I find myself in a highly organized religion that has been around for two thousand years mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm not a also a genuine seeker of those questions. Right. Just because I have found and follow a mainstream answer to those questions doesn't mean I'm not a genuine seeker. I I do believe and I and I do believe at at the deepest level that this is where the greatest answers to life's biggest questions are found. Absolutely. Most hopeful. Yep. Yeah. As an artist, I really love that. Cool. That has become my favorite thing about God. Because, I mean, all art has intentionality. Mm. And the viewer can't be... I mean, you can be frustrated, but it still is a certain intention that you can't argue with. It's interesting. Everything I said, I said with a math brain. Yeah. And you ran it completely Completely through an art brain. (laughs) Yeah. And we come to the same conclusions. Yeah, for sure. God as both artist and um, inventor. Right. Whichever one of those two things we think of him primarily as, we still see a, a God who deeply cares yeah. and wants wants us to know him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Abigail, thanks for these questions. And I'm serious. I think we need to, um, I think we need to make a mental note of this format Let's of like, do we, like I'll do a series, do a series of some sort over two or three and then. You just compile questions, and we'll have a. Well, I always got them for you. We'll always have some sort of follow. I love. I love this idea. I'm down. And I love you, that. I hope. I hope you did too. If you did, please let us know. And I guess if you're in Abigail's Bible study, you can tell her. <laughs> you can tell her if you listen Find to it. Me. Anyways, anyway, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and this is Abigail. Thanks for joining us, and we'd love to connect with you. If you're not a part of the Grove Church, you can find us at thegrovechurch.org. You can find out about our Sunday morning services that you can attend in person or online if you'd like. In any way that we can help you, pray for you, please let us know. Again, thanks for joining us.